done some different types of conversations in the past. Everything from why people and where they're investing in Alberta to trends and what's going on. But we've realized a, a very specific trend right now in the marketplace. And you were talking about it right before we started the podcast. And so we've uh, called Nautable and, and changed the way that we're going to focus today's conversation on realistically what's trending, which is the new people joining us. So what, what are you noticing here, Mike? What's up, guys? You are listening to the YBR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics, and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate, and simplify the complicated. Okay, we're back and recording again with my good friend, Michael Ponte. If you don't know him by now, well, you should. He's been with us now. Uh, Mike, this is third time on the show in the, the past few years. So, that says a lot. A lot of people must like you, Mike. Uh, well, we like you. I like you. So <laughs> glad to have you. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, that's awesome. It's always great to be here. So I always, it's always a treat. So I thank you. I love to hear that, man. Well, listen, we've done some different types of conversations in the past. Everything from why people and where they're investing in Alberta to trends and what's going on. But we've realized a, a very specific trend right now in the marketplace. And you were talking about it right before we started the podcast. And so We've uh, called Nautable and, and changed the way that we're going to focus today's conversation on realistically what's trending, which is the new people joining us. So what, what are you noticing here, Mike? Well, it's actually quite interesting. I think uh, for a lot of people, well, we've got individuals that are just like sitting on the sidelines. They don't know what to do. And, you know, they're just like really nervous. Interest rates are going up. And so you got this one, one, one perspective that people are like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to wait it out and hold out. And then I've got other individuals and, and talking to lots of different people. And you've got a lot of people who are just like, well, you know what? 2023 may be a banner year. This might be a good opportunity to get going. And so it's actually opening up some eyes finally because they're just like, well, the market's not as crazy as it once was. The demand's not there like it once was. But there could be some really good opportunities. And there's a lot of new investors or potential new investors that are just like, hmm, this could be my time. I think it's my opportunity to start learning maybe about real estate investing and being able to take advantage of the opportunities that are planned ahead for 2023. So yeah, it's interesting. You're right. And no doubt, interesting to hear that you said that because we've noticed the same on our side right here, just with the, the types of inquiries that we're getting and applications from people who are just starting that conversation. And you're probably hearing a lot about this even more so than we are, because typically people often don't apply until they're prepared to do so. So mm -hmm. yeah, let's let's dig into today's conversation. The purpose of the the caller, the, the focus is to really get down to principles and the, the foundations of making money when it comes to real estate as an investment specifically. Now, we've got all sorts of listeners on our podcast. Some invest, some don't. Some are at different levels. But I feel like there's never a bad thing about getting back to the core and specifically talking about it as totally. a, right and, and specifically as it, it pertains to yeah maybe some different ways to look at it now compared to a year or two or three years ago. Starting off, Mike, I think like the first thing and the interesting thing when I hear of people talking about you know getting involved or starting to think about real estate as an investment is this whole thought process of your financial strategy like the old way of doing it versus the new way so to speak right the old way was uh, well i mean how people thought about their financial lives was I, I go to school i take on a student loan i get a degree i get a job i pay off debt and i save some money and then boom i retire maybe I have a pension we all know that that's 
probably going to be tough for most people these days, not only because of the cost of living, um, but because, of course, just the general uh, way that people are paid with regards to pensions have changed. Retirement plans are changing. And so most people are shifting to this new way of thinking. And I'll, I'll open it up to you. But I mean, you are one of these people that would be considered a mentor. Um, there, there are people are looking for, for mentors. They're looking to be more entrepreneurial in spirit. They want, you know, they want to learn. They're listening to podcasts like this and they're cool with the idea of leveraging investing. So, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that transition? What are you noticing in that area or that world, so to speak? Yeah, well, I think this has been a trend for a very long time, to be honest with you. And it goes exactly to what you said. It's like, you know, the old days of pensions and stuff like those are great if they're still existing, but there's just, they're far and few between. And, and I think there's never been a time more so than we're seeing, especially in this generation, where, you know, the concept of side hustle, like there's all sorts of different businesses that people are getting themselves in, involved with. And even what we're kind of doing here, this world of social media and all these different things, it's, it's amazing what people can do to generate side incomes, but it's becoming much more necessary now because all of our cost of living has just gone through the roof. And so, you know, we've become a society where we are always wanting things, wanting more things and good for that. That's great. That's exciting. Right. But at the end of the day, we, we need some type of an income stream. And I think a lot of people are also looking for more flexibility in their lives. And so how do they do that when they're working kind of that nine to five job? And so I think this is where people are starting to kind of open up. I shouldn't say start. They, this is why people are opening up. Why, why not just real estate investing, there's all these different side businesses or side hustles, as you call them, is uh, that people are exploring to kind of get ahead and and create kind of a lifestyle that they're all looking for and in a lot of cases it's a little bit more time and more freedom in their in their lives and um and real estate is one of those things and i think this is where there's this big appeal to it because i can buy a piece of real estate there's opportunities to grow it i can hold it you know by the time it's all said and done i get this big asset that's paid off at the very end so like there's there's a lot of appeal to this and it's a much more common theme especially in a younger generation is they may not want to work at that nine to five job anymore. They are not. They they don't want to just work on their nine to five job. They want to work on their side hustles, um, and together get that active income and passive income. And so that's what uh, what I tend to see as a really big trend. Yeah, and and no doubt today's conversation isn't specifically about retirement funds, but you know I think people will be for most people. I did this presentation last night and I shared how much money would you need in order to retire with you know, $5,000 a month, assuming you're retiring in 20 years, 30 years actually, at a 2.5% inflation. That's a lot to take in. But basically, how much would you have to save every month? And it was like $1,850 a month at an 8% return based on 2.5% inflation. And that's a lot, again, to, to, to take in there. But basically, again, almost 2,000 bucks a month for the next 20 to 30 years to be able to give you five grand a month or the equivalent to five grand a month to retire. Like, think about that. And for most people, five grand a month, like that's like, you know, that's uh, not a lot of money anymore. Right. So, um, yeah, I think there is, it, it's time to think about different ways. So, so let's, uh, let's get into it, man. Today, the purpose is to talk about the different ways that you can get paid by using real estate as one of your options. Uh, before I go too far, I want to say to every listener here, there's so many variations and deviations. So, you know, Mike and I could probably do 15 podcasts on each one of these topics. So we're going to give you guys the cores, the things that you need to know, and the things that crazy enough, I see seasoned investors sometimes misunderstanding and misinterpreting, which is why Mike's going to come and comment on them. So basically, the five different ways we've got, we'll start off with appreciation with leverage. Appreciation itself is something that's often misunderstood. And I'm, I'm, I'm probably doing it in inverse order because I know you like to call it off of the cherry on the top. 
But generally speaking, appreciation is relatively <laughs> straightforward. It's the concept or the idea to start off with, with uh, values changing and increasing over time. Your, pro your asset, because you're purchasing an asset, is increasing in value over time. Now, the ways that benefit you are different, but Mike, take it away. Talk to me about appreciation, how that works for people. The reality is appreciation is something that you can't budget for. You know, over time, if you've got a long-term uh, objective, long-term goal, long-term vision with real estate investing, yes, your properties will appreciate. And, and kind of the general rule that I've I've understood and, and learned over the many years doing this is it tends to appreciate about 6% per year when you look at it over a 30-year, 20-year, and a 10-year time frame. Now, within that, there's peaks and valleys that tend to happen. So one year, it's great. The next year, it's not so great. So you have these all, all these trends. But if you look at property 30 years ago versus what it is today, it's not the same value. So if you've got a long-term mentality to it, yes, you will get appreciation over time. But you know, at the same time, you got to be really clear that you can't budget for appreciation. You can't just say, oh, you know, this property is going to appreciate 15 or 20 years uh, or 15 to 20 percent per year. Right. And, and I think a lot of people are seeing that in this market right now in Vancouver and then also Toronto um, and actually other markets as well, where, where we've seen just gangbuster appreciation over the last you know, 10, 20 years. And now we're seeing things kind of change. But appreciation is one of those things that uh, generate very good returns. Um, you know, when you only have to put 20% down, but the appreciation is based off the full value, it can be quite lucrative, right? Especially in markets that are growing. So again, when you're looking at investing in a particular market, pay attention to what's going on with it. Is it an appreciating market? Is it a depreciating market? Where are we at? But appreciation is absolutely one of the income streams. It works very, very well when you have more of a long-term uh, approach when it comes to real estate investing. Um, so just be very clear that it's not something that you can plan for. It is a little bit speculative, but it is one of the ways a lot of people um, that own their own homes today or own real estate investing have become millionaires within their own properties because thanks to appreciation, and that's one of the biggest reasons why is, is appreciation. But again, it's something that you can't always predict that this is going to happen, especially when you're looking with a short-term approach to it. Long-term, you're good. I think it's like the S&P 500, right? Like you don't know, you know, year over year where it's going to go. Um, but over the long term, it continues to to uh, increase in trajectory. And we can talk about, you know, the supply versus demand and the location and so forth and how that impacts yep. appreciation. I think that has to come into your decision. But the reason I think appreciation is important consideration is typically in most situations, again, you could do short term, you know, investing, you could do long term, you could do flips and so forth. But for today's conversation, I'm having a long term definitely mindset here i mean let's 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 look 20 years out 20 years out it, it, it almost doesn't matter which city you buy in in canada well that's not completely true but to a degree um in most cities that you purchase in assuming it's uh you know you did a good job of doing your research you're close to urban city center or something of that nature and it's, there's a growth um element to it you will see appreciation but you can't bank on it to your point mike to be 15 percent or 20 percent because those things are anomalies exactly. uh, so the, the approach that i take and if yeah. you're a listener you know look at like an average over a 10-year time span heck 20 years and use a conservative number based on that and for the sake of our conversation just to illustrate some basic you know numbers in terms of uh, appreciation i used uh you know a four percent uh, appreciation on a six hundred thousand dollar home over 20 years 
And that's pretty reasonable if you think about it. So 4%, again, assuming you did your research there, that $600,000 home is going to be worth 1.3, 1.4. Now, if you live outside of Vancouver, Toronto, that happened in five years. But of course, and in some cases mm -hmm. less, but the reality is, is if we use a 20-year outlook in almost all of these conversations for appreciation, that can be massive. And one of the ways that helps you, and speaking to that, I guess, last point, just talking on the money piece there, Mike, is what you had mentioned earlier is the asset value and the ability to borrow against appreciation. That's where those things can mm -hmm. help you. So again, there, you, you see your asset value go from 600 to, let's say, a million dollars in, let's say, 10 years for the sake of conversation. And now you have access to $800,000 that you can draw from that property, right, at a very low rate of interest and continue to duplicate your efforts. Now, again, it's it's case yeah, by case, exactly. but like, I feel like that that one thing, Mike, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here, I feel like the reason that appreciation is is misunderstood so frequently is because people expect it so quickly. Very much so. Yeah, because that's a lot for a lot of people, people that's that's what they've seen in the last, you know, 10, 20 years. And in fact, people were buying based on that that trend was never going to end. And so you gotta have more of a modest approach to it, exactly like you've referenced at four percent per year. Um, that's more reasonable. That's a more reasonable time frame. And again, when we recover from the challenges that were here ahead, and again, over a 10 year time frame, is it 15 or 20% per year? I don't know. But right now we're seeing things reverse a little bit. But I'll bet you overall, when you look at it from a 10 year time frame, it's gonna it's probably going to be higher than what your 4% mm -hmm. is. And so that it still produces a good valuation. But I guess the important part is, you know, go in with a long term mentality and a long term approach to it. And that's where a lot of people have had the most success uh, when you're looking at it. from Well that said. Way. Well said. Well, let's get into number two. And um, I think number two is an interesting one because I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I use it as uh, amortization mm -hmm. or the ability to amortize a loan. For the sake of conversation mm -hmm. right now, like when you look at amortization, again, it's the ability to take a, a mortgage loan in this case and amortize that over not 10 years or 15 years like a lot of other assets that are out there, asset classes. In real estate, mm -hmm. you can extend that loan over, well, uh, typically 30 years, but in some cases even more, yeah. which it, mm -hmm. for a lot of people, they don't. They say, how does that make me money? Well, that does something called, well, creating cash flow, which we're going to talk about later because it assists you in paying down the loan over an extended period of time. And of course, it pushes back the cost of the money to later, right? So it allows you to, to borrow money at today's uh, rate, so to speak, and purchase at today's cost. And as obviously time goes on, money goes up or down in value, so to speak. So that actually works in your favor, funny enough. So uh, Mike, any mm -hmm. thoughts on amortization as a factor of uh, how you make money in real estate or anything that you want to add to that? Well, I think in the amortization side, you're referencing as kind of more mortgage pay down. Am I correct mm -hmm. in saying that? Yep. And the time that it let, you're allowed to do so. Yeah. So it does that. It gives you that ability. So as the market kind of appreciates and at the same time when you're acquiring it, uh, and this is one of the huge things, you know, you, when you talk about real estate investing, there's multiple streams of income that are being cre created here. You've got the appreciation and that's just your market appreciation. And we're keeping things really simple yes people will say well you can do forced appreciation well we'll save that for another day just to keep it simple stupid and then amortization really on the mortgage pay down side that's a huge one and that is the most consistent one because guess what you're paying that mortgage down every single month you have to in fact if you don't the banks are going to come and take that take that property away from you but here's the best part about the amortization or the mortgage pay down on this thing who's paying for it if you're looking at this as a rental property, it's not you. And if you've done this well, it's actually your tenant. 
And so your tenants are actually paying down the mortgage over a 20 or 30 year time frame. And that's a huge advantage. And again, if it's all done right, that mortgage is constantly being paid down over a long term approach to this thing every single month that's coming up. I know I I love seeing year end mortgage statements. I've got one right in my hand. There we here. go. And, you know, I've got one that I, you know, I'm just looking at, you know, principal pay down. This one was twenty thousand dollars in one of our apartment buildings. I didn't pay that down twenty thousand dollars. My tenants paid that down twenty thousand dollars. That is literally sitting in our in our account, right in our in our prop mortgage account. So it is one of those ones that is the foundational aspects of where one of the main profit centers when it comes to real estate investing is this amortization or the mortgage pay downside. Um, and again, you go with the long term approach with this. And if you amortize this exactly like uh, Alex has said over a 30 year, and you've got a long term approach to this, and you hold it for 30 years, you have an asset free and clear 30 years later, for that full value that you haven't used, you haven't put any of that money in. It's been your tenants that have actually been paying it off. It's it's, it's one of the most appealing aspects when it comes to real estate. Totally investing. true. And <clears throat> yes, back to your point, principal pay down is, is another way to look at that and perhaps probably the more widely recognized uh, conversation. Thanks for clarifying that, Mike. I mean, that gets me excited more than anything else. I mean, we hear about people say it on sure. social media, online, all the time talking about, hey, if you have somebody, uh, a renter in your property, you're providing them with a home, but they're providing you with the ability to pay off your mortgage for you. So you might as well continue to own the real estate while someone else pays it off, right? Love that. Absolutely. Love yeah, it, yeah. love it, love it. Okay, so let's talk about uh, cash flow here because that's obviously the big sexy, so to speak. Um, that's mm -hmm. the one that usually brings people into the conversation to start off with, at least that I found. Now that conversation usually shifts in a lot of different ways, but I think, I mean, let's just start off with like, just quite simply, like Mike, how do you explain cash flow really quickly? And and what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, it's, it's pretty simple. So, and again, this might be a new concept for a lot of people, especially people in Vancouver and Toronto, because there's something that they don't realize that there's no, there is no cash flow in, in some cases or very difficult to find. But cash flow in the most simplest terms is income. So it's your rental income every month, okay, minus all of your expenses, which include your mortgage payment, okay? So think about insurance and property taxes and utility bills, all that wonderful stuff, your mortgage payment, okay? So it's income minus expenses. After all the expenses, that is cash flow, okay? That is pure income. Now, it's either in the green, which means there's money going into my pocket every single month, or it's going into the red, which is money going out, okay? So what one of the one of the income streams that if done properly and analyzed well is you're trying to generate positive cash flow, right? And, and that's where it's adding more income into my pocket every single month. So again, after the rent, sort of once rents comes in, all those expenses, there is there is a plus income that goes into your pocket kind of every single month. And for a lot of real estate investors, myself included, this is where they put a lot of focus is because they are maybe, again, if they're looking to create this kind of side hustle, you want something that's actually producing income, not taking income away from you. And so it's making sure that whatever asset that you are buying, you're trying to find properties that produce positive cash flow. Um, and so it is one of the benchmarks that I, from my, my company's perspective and the way I invest, it always has to generate cash flow. I treat all my real estate uh, assets as like a business. And I'm not buying businesses that lose money every single month. I like businesses that produce positive cash flow every single month. 
And so that's kind of my big focus. Now there's multiple different strategies when it comes to this and many different reasons why you may want to buy a property that has negative cash flow. But in times like this, where we're seeing rates increasing and all of these expenses going up and high inflationary pressure, having an asset that's producing positive cash flow is such a huge benefit because it can override a lot of the, it can it can help you um, manage through the challenges that are currently happening today. You know, I'm very fortunate that all of our assets are cash flowing. And so we're, we're able to buck the trend a little bit because, you know, what we're, we're covering all of our expenses. We're covering all our costs. Is the cash flow as, as high as it was once, you know, six months ago? No, but they're still there. It's still balanced, right? And so when you're looking at assets, it's one of those things that uh, it is one of the reasons why a lot of investors get involved. And again, just like anything, it's depending on your investment goals. But if you, one of your goals is, I want a little more time freedom, then you're looking for income. You're needing to find that income to give you some of that time freedom. And that really comes from cash flow. I think you like something that you said there. So like, again, it depends on the nature. Like this cash flow one is always an interesting one, right? Because um, <clears throat> there's obviously so many different ways to quote unquote invest in where to earn your money. We've talked about the appreciation piece. We talked about the principal pay down. Um, you know, some people talk about the sweat equity thing, which we haven't even talked about or forced appreciation. But, you know, it, it's such an interesting one because I find that cash flow is so divisive in certain areas and cities and different people have their own thought process mm. on it. But back to your point, totally. I mean, I think if, if it is solely your purpose to earn an extra income from a lifestyle perspective, then there's no doubt you have to be looking for, again, what does that look like afterwards? How do I protect my downside from that perspective? And, and with rates being higher, yeah, it becomes a little bit more of a challenge. Um, there's mm -hmm. this thought out there that having a property that doesn't cash flow is a terrible thing. Um, I would suggest that's not necessarily the case personally, because uh, I've seen so many different types of investment property situations. And I think it really what it depends on is your outlook. And that means how much time you have. And, and number two, like your your situation, like what you're trying to do with this particular you know property. And, and of course, your personal finances, right? Because if you're in a personal finance situation where right now, that's absolutely no issue. You can handle the, you know, the disruption to your personal finance. It could actually work out exceptionally well in your favor because perhaps you can do something others can't. But it's a different conversation, right? My very first property that I bought was negative cash flow. It was negative cash flow fifty dollars a month. I didn't really know what the hell I was doing back then, but you know, the, but really, it was negative cash flow fifty dollars a month. And the way I looked at it is, okay, it's fifty bucks. That's just one lunch I don't do. But here I am. I own a property where a tenant's paying it down, and I don't have. To, and I had a long term vision to that. It's only fifty bucks. I really wasn't worried about that. Fortunately, the last couple, the couple years right after market just blew up and it turned into a positive cash flowing opportunity and we had all this appreciation it's when it turned positive is when your eyes start to open right and but at the end of the day you're exactly right is it's not that it's a bad thing but it really has to go back to what your goals and what you're trying to accomplish here right and so really ask yourself um you know am i comfortable with the negative cash flow okay what happens if interest rates go up an extra two points Am I still comfortable with that number? So these are questions that you have to ask yourself. And it goes to why you're investing in, in real estate to begin with, right? So so good, Mike. Yeah, thanks for clarifying that. And, I, and again, I, I think that that this conversation is one that like it could go in so many different directions. And that's why I tell oh, yeah, people right away, sure. there isn't a right or wrong here. It really depends on why you're buying, where you're buying, what are you doing, your situation, right? Which is, I'm sure, something in your Co your programs and your coaches uh, co coaching programs that you have there you probably go deep into that i'm sure so 
Um, sure. Yeah, yep. right on. Okay, uh, so uh, a fun one. We're not accountants, but we know enough about it to know to do no. some trouble. There is uh, tax efficiency when it comes to um, uh, to get making money in real estate. Now, I have some thoughts on this, but Mike, in your experience, like how does this work to people's benefit when we talk about the efficiency or t- tax efficiency of owning real estate as an investment? Well, I think there's just advantages that are there. Like, you know, so for people that are, you know, if, they're, if their regular job is just to work, there's not all these advantages from being an employee, right? But when you own a real estate, when you own a piece of real estate, it is like a business in some cases, and there's all these tax advantages that come along with this. Um, so when you buy a piece of real estate, there's all these expenses that kind of come and uh, that are part of the asset itself, as well as the income. Here we go. If the property is negative cash flow, that is a that is a reduction of your income. So now all of a sudden there's a tax advantage, there's a tax savings that's going along here. For a lot of investors too, um, they're using their home equity line of credit, okay, to purchase investment properties. Well, the interest on that line of credit is a tax deduction. So there's all these tax advantages that you can utilize here. Now, because you own a piece of real estate and you're working and you're managing things and you're doing books or whatever the case may be in your office, well, a percentage of your office, a percentage of your ink that you use, a percentage of your, all these things are tax deductions that you can now utilize. And again, don't take my or or Alex's advice. Don't just say, well, Mike told me I can write off 100% of my, my home and all. It's not the case. Talk to your accountant. But when you own a piece of real estate, it's like owning a owning a business. And what happens is there are some great tax advantages that kind of come along with this, even just by owning like a small little condo. Um, so there's lots of opportunities where you can have a lot of different types of deductions and efficiencies. And, and again, this is really important. And again, talk to your accountant, but there's lots of different advantages that come along from this strategy. For I mean, sure. you hit it right there, man. Like the, the fact that you, you are running a business here, right? Like it's not just um, working a job. You're running a business. There's uh, advantages, all the interest that you pay. That, like a lot of people don't realize if they take up money from a home equity line of credit, all the interest that you're paying on that is a tax deductible, which means you pay less interest. And if your marginal tax rate is 40 or 50%, that's a, it's a huge opportunity huge savings in the grand scheme of things if you're if you're obviously financing this personally if you're buying this home in your name so to speak right um i I think you touched on this briefly but i'm not sure how deep you got into that mike but you know um one one area that i like to highlight to people depending on the nature of where they're at in their lives especially people that have children is the concept of inheritance and what that looks like real estate could be one of the best possible living living inheritances or even passing inheritances from a tax efficiency standpoint Mm. that you could ever have if you have a million dollars in the bank and you give that money down obviously i'm generalizing here someone's going to get charged tax on the entire million dollars that they receive right if your kids get that money and in most situations if it's a million bucks they're going to tax 50 something percent because the government wants all your money right so you're left with five hundred thousand bucks again i'm generalizing here very clear uh but if someone owns a real estate asset at a million bucks and they have a two hundred fifty thousand dollar loan left on it and they bought it for 500000 and there's a lot here, they're only taxed on the capital gains, so the growth in the property, and they're only taxed at half of that, so basically two hundred fifty grand at 50%. Totally. So you're now providing someone with an asset that they can continue to keep, and or they can sell, and they're paying less than half the amount of tax on that. Like That's mind-numbing. And in addition to that, you have somebody else who's basically saving the money for the inheritance. And so I don't know how many people think about that, but how much better is it to have that, hold that property, manage that for 20, 30, 40 years, and, and then have the asset that you could provide your children, right? 
That's totally, powerful to me. 100%. And even just the capital gains tax on, on this alone as well is like when your asset starts to appreciate and you're making income on this thing, you're taxed at 50% of your tax rate. And so with that being said, there's huge advantages, huge advantages of that. So versus like just your regular income, if you're creating different income streams, you're taxed at your normal tax rate. But if you're using, you're, you're taking advantage of real estate, markets are appreciation, markets are appreciating, your mortgage pay downs being, you're taxed at 50% of that, uh, of, uh, of your tax rate. So again, another, another yet another advantage that comes along with it. Right? So, so true, man. Well, the last one here that I want to touch on and uh, we can leave it, we can do a rapid fire of anything we missed afterwards is, is something I call rent inflation. Um, rent inflation. I mean, I, I, I went through and I clipped a bunch of news articles from the last two weeks here, and this is pretty topical in, in Canada right now. Um, some news articles saying things like average cost of renting a two bedroom Toronto soars by 24% to more than 3,300 average monthly rent prices surge 12% in October average Metro Vancouver rental price breaks 2,300 for one bedroom apartment. So we're seeing this stuff left, right, and center. And, you know, back to your point, yes, you can't count on a 10%, 12%, 24% annualized increase in, in rental income. But the stats show that, and I, you might have some different statistics, but the stats that I found, Mike, showed that the average turnover is eight months. Every eight months, there's a new tenant in the property, right? So yes, BC has some pretty tight laws. Some places have tight laws on the ability to raise rents. But eventually, most people leave and they move on and or they do something else and you can bump up your rent increase, increase I should say. Maybe touch on that a little bit because people forget that. They buy a property today and they think, oh, it's my cash flow today. But guess what? You bought that property three years ago and you got a new tenant in there today. You're doing pretty good. Yeah, agreed, 100%. And, and I think, you know, you're sat at 8% or uh, eight months. I think it depends on the on the type of property because there's lots of variations with that, right? So the more bedrooms you have, the longer the tenants tend to stay is my stat. Um, and again, it, it does vary. You know, if you got a suite, if you got a bachelor, you'll see more turnover. If you got a one bedroom, you'll see not as much turnover as a bachelor. If you got a three bedroom, then you'll probably see a lot more longevity with your tenants as well. So it really depends on the, in the type of tenant segment that, or the uh, property segment that you're dealing with. But by saying that you're absolutely right is, you know, you may be buying a property today and again, every market is very, very different, just to be very clear, just because, you know, Vancouver, I'm not even sure what the cap rate is, you know, the rent cap rate is right now in Vancouver, I think it's like two and a half or three percent or two percent or something like that. That's what the cap rate is based on existing tenants. And so you can only give them that that amount. But as soon as they move out, you can increase that rent to whatever level that you're looking to accomplish. And so that's exactly what you said. If you're seeing the time frame about a year and they're turning over this is where your opportunities are going to be uh, are going to be had. And again, this is an important piece when you're looking at your investment strategy or buying a property, especially a property that has that's currently tenanted. Um, you know, how soon can I raise the rents? But I think to maybe what that slide is highlighting is during times of challenge right now, and and this is really important. Um, when you're seeing interest rates going up the way that they are, it's reducing the demand for people buying real estate, okay, buying, purchasing their own homes or doing these things. So because it's becoming more expensive, but that doesn't change that people still need to live in a place that's that doesn't change. So what has happened now is that instead of acquiring a property, buying a property, they either are tenants longer or in some cases, especially what I'm kind of seeing a little bit starting now, they are turning into tenants. So the demand for rental properties goes up. And with the demand for rental properties goes up, our inventory obviously goes down. 
when there's very little inventory and there's more competition that's going into the rental market, guess what happens to rents? Rents go up. So during times of inflation or challenges like this, people are reducing their costs or minimizing their minimizing the amount that they're spending. But this is where rental properties can be a little bit of a hedge against inflation. And this is and this is exactly what we're seeing right now. Your stats that you were showing are very similar to what I'm doing today. We're looking at about 8 to 15% right now on all of our portfolio of rent increases because we're investing in markets that are not uh, minimizing our caps on how much we can do. And like in places like Alberta, uh, again, that's what we're seeing, 12 to 15%. And we're just communicating exactly what's going on with the cost of increases and insurance and mortgage rates. We have to pass it on. It's unfortunate, you know, but it's just the reality of what it is. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Like I think rent inflation is a big one. Um, it is a great hedge. Um, and it's really, really important that when you're looking at your investment that you're looking to acquire, um, especially with existing tenants, you know, what is the lease agreement? How soon can I raise those rents? You know, do I, if, I, if this property fully turns over in a year, I will be able to capitalize that at a later time, right? But definitely um, right now for a lot of landlords that are acquiring, they are all raising rents to, to where it needs to be. And you're seeing rents going mm, up. So much gold there, man. So much gold. I, I don't know much more I can add to that. But yeah, I mean, I guess... Yeah, I, there's not a lot more I can add to that, man. You you pretty much hit the nail on the head. I got nothing to say. <laughs> Mic drop, boom. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah. So summarize, guys. Um, I think the biggest takeaway here is obviously we we will see rental rates obviously continue to grow. You make it as part of your plan. You can't predict it necessarily, but the type of property that you pick and choose will impact the likelihood that you'll see the turnover. Thus, obviously impacting the likelihood that you'll see rental rates increase and change. But this is obviously province by province too, right? Like you pop in to Alberta, we can raise rents tomorrow. BC, you can have a challenge if somebody stays there for five years it was some good stuff man getting into inflation and so forth like i don't even know if i have anything that i don't i don't have anything to say nothing that's why we bring you on that's why we bring you on so so of course we talked a little bit about we talked about appreciation we talked about am, uh, amortization or principal pay down uh and how because i think amortization kind of works in multiple different ways principal pay down is a clear 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 they pay off your money your play off your mortgage, I should say. They give you the money, um, you know, cash flow, obviously, where people want to land in the long term. And and I, I you know that cash flow thing to touch back on that one is a really interesting one because I think what you do, a lot of people forget this. You know, listen, if if you own five pieces of real estate and you're only cash flowing, let's say, hundred bucks each on each one, but you've paid off half the mortgage over the course of ten years, assuming you qualify, you could just go and reamortize all those loans back to thirty years again, presumptively, and then boom, open up your cash flow tomorrow. So th there's different ways to look at it from that perspective too, right? Uh, we touched on tax efficiency, handing money down or a home down to your kids instead of losing all of it to the government. Because really, at this point in life, like how much more money does our government need? Uh, none. <laughs> but uh, but uh, moving on, keep the money in your pocket. Look at the way that that works in your favor. And then, of course, Mike, you just crushed that rent inflation. Um, did you want to rapid fire any other quick ones? Or is there anything else that you said, hey, people talk about this, this, this? Yeah, I, I think. I think maybe the last one for a lot of people, and again, this is not this is one's not easy for those that are getting started as well. Is is one of the ways you can make money on, in real estate as well is also on the acquisition side of things, and and I think it's becoming more prevalent today. Is kind of the phrase that I always like to use is make your money on the buy. It's not easy, okay, and and so it's during times of challenge and 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 uh, during times of challenge that's in the economy and in the market. Um, you tend to get more motivated sellers and here's your opportunity. And again, it's just another way to make money. It's just not that easy. And, and so you need to really make sure that you find the right team, the right asset, the right property. But if the market is kind of like $100,000 and somebody is in real tough shape and they need to sell it, 
um, maybe you can buy it at $80,000 or $90,000 as an example. So that spread of ten dollars to $20,000 is where you've made money right from the very, very beginning. It's not one that you should always just be focusing on. But in times like what we're seeing today, it does provide a cushion. So if the market continues to kind of go down a little bit further, I think it's really important for people to understand, you know, do you, if you're buying it at market price and the market goes down, are you prepared for that? And so, you know, for a lot of investors that are getting started, you need to kind of be planning for that as well right now. So as markets, if, if we're anticipating rates, uh, uh, if we're anticipating values to go down, have you built that plan in regards to ensuring that if the, if the, if the price does go down based on when you're acquiring it, are you planning, are you prepared for that or are you buying with that intent that the value is going to go down an extra, you know, five or 10 or 15 or 20%. So, um, you know, I think it's an important one. It's an opportunity where you can, it's another income stream. It's just not easy to do, especially for people that are just getting started, but it's one that I just want to, I wanted to kind of reference to keep that front of mind, especially when you're dealing with markets that are seeing kind of a little bit more of a downturn, just protect yourself and make sure you're buying appropriately, not necessarily just what the market is dictating. And, um, you may want to buy, have a, have yourself a little bit of a cushion, uh, just to protect yourself from, from a continued downturn. So perfect. I don't think we need to add much more to it, Mike. That uh, pretty much just crushed everything that we needed to talk about here today, man. That's uh, incredible, man. You're such a wealth of uh, information. I always appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all of your knowledge around uh, real estate as an investment. Um, we've talked about this. We, well, I would, I'll do. I did an intro. We talked about this briefly, but Mike. You run a masterclass, Elevate, uh, I believe. There's a few different iterations. Um, are, you, are you accepting new people to come in and learn a little about real estate and investment right now? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we host a, a series. For those that are looking to get started or looking to scale their business, um, we have something called Elevate Masterclass, which is our training programs. They run between eight to 10 weeks long. And it's for those that are just beginning. They don't necessarily know how to invest in real estate. We have a program called uh, fundamentals to residential real estate investing. So for eight weeks, we go over all the main fundamentals, the foundations in regards to how to properly do this. And, and really importantly is that when you come out of there, you have all the tools ready to go and go execute and go do it. Um, the second program that we have are for people that are maybe taking it kind of to the next level or for those that don't have any money. It's very common that they, I don't have any money, I need it. Um, and it's called raising capital through joint venture partnerships. So how do I raise money for the purposes of acquisition? That's a 10 week program um, where we teach people how to attract money, how to attract people that are looking to invest in real estate, but just don't have the knowledge or skill set. Um, and then last but not least, so these are for individuals that are really trying to take it to the next level. And, and it's about buying apartment buildings or multifamily investing. And so uh, multifamily investing is a different animal, different world. You can't use the same tools that you've learned um, on how to invest in a single family home and use that for the purposes of multifamily investing. It's a completely different animal. You are buying a business um, and that's an eight week program that we cover off. And so we are currently doing our intake right now. Our program starting January of 2023. Um, in our investment series. So again, it's eight weeks, 10 weeks, and eight weeks long. And for those that are interested or wanting to learn more, um, check out our website. Go to uh, thesavvyinvestor.ca, thesavvyinvestor.ca. There's lots of information that's there. Um, and like I said, please check it out. And, and like I said, don't hesitate to reach out if you've got some questions. I'm happy to answer anything that you have. And again, it's really designed for individuals that are really wanting to kick some serious butt in 2020. Yeah. And I, I can vouch for you, even, even like a 15-minute call that we've had regarding, an, uh, uh, you know, looking at a multifamily building blew me away with the information, man. So happy for what you're doing and 
for all those potential investors out there, definitely don't be uh, afraid to check out Mike's work and check out the previous podcast. Mike, thank you so much again for joining us. Guys, again, another episode of the YBR Remo Show. If you're liking the show, rate us on iTunes, Spotify, share it out because we need the support. There's no ads, no nothing. We just get great guests to come on and share good information. So thank you, and we'll see you next time.